Hi, it's Reverend Kurt Condra at Unity on the North Shore in Evanston, Illinois. Unity offers positive, practical, and progressive teachings that support spiritual evolution and abundant living. You can join us for our weekly Sunday service at 1030 in these days of sequestering. It's by Zoom. Uh, so please visit our website at www.unityns.org and register for the Zoom link. If you missed the service, you can also see the video version of our Sunday lessons on our YouTube channel, Unity North Shore. Again, visit us at our website, www.unityns.org, to see the many ways in which we're creating connection in this time of physical distancing. God bless. been uh, speaking this month about how it is that we replenish our souls. How do we replenish our spirits? And I think to a great degree that involves saying yes, you know, saying yes to wholeness, saying yes to life and love and to all that is, to the fullness of life experience. So that's what I'm wanting to talk about today. I think uh, I, I ran across a quote. I've been gone for a couple of weeks off on a, Kathy mentioned off on a road trip to the East Coast and back and Got to stop in and visit with Reverend Christina for her installation service. I know some of you were able to see that online as well. So just some beautiful ways in which, uh, yeah, yes, energy is happening all over the place. But it gave me a lot of time to reflect. I was in the car for um, 2,500 miles. I've been through 13 states and stopped to see a bunch of friends along the way. And all along that way, with just a really um, sort of sacred time to be kind of in touch with... um, with what it is that replenishes my own spirit and my own soul, and, and to kind of have a, a chance to really reflect on how I bring that not from going away on the special road trip for two weeks, but how is it that I can bring that kind of refreshment? How, what practices can I use to make that alive in my everyday experience, right? Because I think, especially over the last couple of years, um, most of us are, are feeling a sense of maybe weightiness that's happened or, you know, life, the, the, the grief that happens with the changes that we've endured and um, there's just so much that we've absorbed and I think to be able to be able to refresh our spirits and our souls at a more conscious sort of everyday level is a beautiful sort of skill and power to bring forth. So it is, it's about saying yes to all of it. Um, one of the quotes that I, that I read that I thought that really helped me to sort of clarify it my own experience was this idea that um, that replenishment isn't necessarily about, I'm going to stand up here, replenishment isn't necessarily about um, I keep thinking it'll come to me because I've been over and over this a number of times and I didn't bring that piece of paper. Replenishment isn't about, ah, where is it? Okay, forget it. We're going to, maybe it'll come to me later. But it really, so in in order to sort of um, refresh ourselves and renew ourselves, um, it's not, we need to be able to live from a sense of wholeheartedness, right? It's not about, we don't get depleted um, because we're, we're sort of energized and overworking. We get depleted because we're overworking at things that really don't feed our souls. You can be busy, or in my own experience, I can be very busy doing stuff, very active, expending lots of energy on something. And if it's something I love doing, I'm actually refreshed and renewed and restored by it. If it's something that where I start to feel overwhelmed, it's actually because I'm 
expending energy on stuff that underwhelms me. I'm expending energy in ways that drain rather than refresh and renew. So it's not about, what I learned on this trip was it's not about, okay, if I'm gonna be refreshed and renewed, I need to rest. Because what I found is rest got really boring. <laughs> rest just, you know, I did take a couple of days to sleep, but rest wasn't really refreshing and renewing me in a way that I felt more alive. Rest was actually, over, overindulging in rest was actually more depleting. I found myself getting kind of, um, you know, I, I found myself in Washington, D.C. one day, and there, it was a beautiful sunny day, cold as heck, but beautiful sunny day, and I realized if I was going to really enjoy this wonderful moment that I had, I was two blocks from the mall where all the monuments are. That's what I really came to see. But I could have really easily spent the whole day in bed, right? Rest continues to deplete. But as we really engage with what brings us a sense of wholeheartedness, then we can really feel more alive in ways, in ways that I think allow us to, to live from that space of wholehearted beingness to really step out at another level of energetic sort of vibration. So I think as I'm sort of looking over, well, well, how did Jesus do it, right? In unity, we regard Jesus as our master teacher. So how did Jesus like strike this balance between the demands that are being placed on him and his ministry and for healing and, and to be able to come at it from a place of being wholehearted and fully, fully who he is? And the story that came to mind is the story of Lazarus, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with. But you may not be as familiar with how, how that passage starts. So this is from the book of John, chapter 11, um, just the first few passages. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Right? Does that seem puzzling? Here is the sort of urgent request from dear, dear friends of Jesus. And, and there was a, a sense of urgency in this illness. And yet Jesus hung out where he was for two more days. I think that's a, that's a key for us, right? There is so many of the demands in our time that are so urgent are coming out of this energy of like, you have to do this, you have to be here. And it's really, <clears throat> it's really easy for us to get caught up in that same kind of urgency. Right? So then we're actually diving into it at the level of the problem, if that's where we're going. We're diving into it, coming out of a place of fear, out of a place of anxiety, out of a place of stress, rather than like being able to pull back and see from a higher level, from a higher perspective, from a different perspective. So in my mind, I think that might be what happened in sort of in, in Jesus' instruction, Jesus action and his decision to remain two days um, where he was, right? That it's, it's in taking a step back, sort of going about his business, what was ever happening there at the time, and yet allowing himself to, um, to come at 
the situation regarding Lazarus' illness from a different perspective, from a, from a place of wholeness. I don't imagine that, I mean, I don't think he was just shunting it, putting it aside, not paying attention. It wasn't there. That, that's not what wholeheartedness is about. That's not the kind of, of fullness of life that really brings us into a sense of aliveness. It's a sense of being aware of the stuff that's happening, being aware of the grief we might experience, being aware of the stress or the anger that might be rising up within us, being aware of situations of lack, being aware of all of it, and yet not being um, hooked by it. It's, it's part of the fullness of our reality and our experience, and it's important to recognize that. So we're not denying it in that way of, of ignoring it or pretending it's not there. We, we're allowing sort of the deeper, richer truth of being to sort of emerge. So what does that look like for us? When we're, once we've sort of made the choice or found the strength or the courage or the wisdom to be able to stand in a place of stepping back, of taking the two days, <laughs> whatever that two days looks like for us, once we're there, how is it that, that we can, can cultivate a, a sense of, of being there in a wholehearted way? Because see, it's not about, I don't think it's about, well, we get through one crisis, we got that fixed, and then we move on. We get through one loss, and it's done. I think what Spirit's calling us to in this wholeheartedness, in this ability to say the kind of yes that John just sang about, what Spirit is calling us to is being able to hold both as true, to be fully sort of present to the emotional and the physiological experience of, of what is, the, the, the challenge that might be facing us, and then at the same time to be fully present to the blessings and the promises and the beauty of life that's always evident and expressed. It's like we need to be able to develop capacity to hold both of those um, in equanimity, I would say, to know both are true, to know both are part of experience, and to be able to bring um, the beauty of life into those places where we can also fully kind of, I don't know if appreciate is the right word, but maybe be fully present to the experience of suffering, whether it's our own or whether it's others, right? Because it's in sort of being with that we actually have the capacity to bring forth um, a greater good or bring forth an awareness of that greater beauty. So um, what are the ways in which we can balance that, that we can bring um, our, an appreciation for the wholeness of life's experience? The first of those I would say, and I spoke to this earlier this month, when I talked about this practice of wintering, right? That wintering, um, and there's a, a beautiful kind of example of, of we don't sort of power through it pretending that it's summer and we're out, you know, jumping in swimming pools and um, wearing bathing suits and bikinis, right? When we're in a time of wintering, when we're in a time of challenge, there are, are behavioral actions that we make to accommodate and to adjust, right? Um, animals do this beautifully. Animals move through a time of transformation in winter. There's, there's hibernating, there's, there's storing up. There's, that's, that's when they get fat, right? They put on extra layers so that they can move through this time of wintering experience with everything that's needed so that they can approach it and survive and even thrive 
in different conditions. So the same is true for us. As we move through, and I'm not just saying winter, although I know most of us um, from the Mississippi the other direction, right? Most of us are experiencing that now in in some pretty extreme cases. But it's not just about that. It's about whatever your wintering experience is, whatever the challenges that would, that would, that you might be tempted to live into summer consciousness, right? You might be tempted to bring a party energy into it. You might be tempted to, um, and the wintering is a quieter space. The wintering is a place of just kind of being present and and sort of preserving and allowing and growing through. So a piece of bringing balance to, to the fullness of our life experience is to recognize that there are times when our energy levels are gonna be lower and it's appropriate for us to kind of dwell there. Not, not to a point that we're, um, um, what's the word? Um, there's dwelling and then there's wallowing, right? Not to the point of wallowing, but which is I, I was about to do in Detroit or in, uh, in Washington DC to wallow in my hotel room, right? But to kind of be present enough and to know that, okay, it's a low energy day. How might, I, how might I still appreciate the beauty of this cold winter day outside? And for me, that was, they have these scooters you can rent. You know, you take your phone, you charge it up, and you can go around. I got to see um, all of the monuments that I wanted to see in a single day. And yet, take time to be with each of those in a way, right? Sort of wintering. If it were a beautiful day out, I would have wanted to sort of maybe spend a little more time admiring cherry trees, but that's not, that's not the reality that I was in in that Washington experience. So the same is true for each of us as we move through our present to what is, what's the most effective way for us to bring forth an appreciation for, for the energy level of this kind of wintering, to give it the space it needs? and yet still be fully present to the, the blessings that are available to us, yeah? So the second piece, so there's the, the wintering experience that I spoke to earlier. The second piece I wanted to speak to is um, really around cultivating a sense of joy. Joy um, in every moment, and joy in simple ways, you know? I used to think of, of joy as having to be like this ecstatic experience that if I was really coming out of joy, that it was, it was exuberant, that it was celebratory, that it was like um, transformative. It was a really high energy party thing. But what I've come to experience and appreciate is that if that's my barometer for joy, then, then probably my experiences of it are gonna be limited to those really kind of mountaintop experiences. But if what I can recognize is that there is joy and beauty to be appreciated um, all the time as I become aware of it, then my capacity, my ability to be in joy um, expands tremendously, right? I can, the example that I, that I was listening to online from one of, one of the great meditation teachers was that he actually is an ornithologist. And so for him, joy, was really, especially in winter times, was for him to travel to exotic places and be being able to be present to birds and calls that he'd never seen before, right? That joy were these cool experiences with that he could witness stuff that he had never otherwise witnessed. Well, over the last two years, that hasn't been possible. He hasn't been able to travel. And so what he realized is that he could find joy in the ordinariness of a wren in his backyard, this little simple brown bird. 
And as he watched over time, he could recognize that the song changed depending on the weather, depending on the days. And as the days began to lengthen, the song of the wren began to lengthen. He began to see beauty and um, what he, he sort of was taken as he was watching cardinals across his lawn. He was taken back to a time in memory when he was with his grandmother who would call them redbirds. And she was just enamored of these redbirds. So there was this whole richness of life experience that was really sort of the nexus of his appreciation for ornithology that happened when he was very young and, and he was returned to that. So joy became an everyday experience. It wasn't this, this high peak experience. And that is true for us as we begin to recognize that you know, there is joy in every, in every, available to us in every moment as we can sort of um, take those two days waiting to return to Lazarus, whatever that means, and be present to, to the fullness of life as it's unfolding around us, yeah? In my own travel experiences, I, um, in Louisville, I, I think I mentioned it, snowed the day after I got there. So they aren't really prepared in Louisville. They don't have the kind of trucks and salt and infrastructure that we have to deal with it. So everything was pretty much shut down. Um, and so it, the church service on the next day, it was most of us Chicago people who made it to Reverend Christina's installation, um, relatives that were down there. And, but for the most part, the, the Nashville people would just, they, they stayed home probably wisely. Um, but what I realized is that as the day went by, the sun came out and the snow was covered. It's sort of the first layer of snow melts. You know what that, you know what that's like? And then I got cold again at night. Well, that, that was the day that I was heading out to Washington, D.C. So as I'm traveling through the Blue Ridge Mountains, that first layer of snow that had melted and frozen overnight was just glistening sheets of ice that covered all the hills that went on for miles and miles and miles. So as I drove, and it was, it was soon enough after the most recent snow that all of the trees were still outlined in snow. You know, the wind hadn't blown it off. So I went through the Blue Ridge Mountains and watched as the sun rose, watched the colors change on the snow. You know how snow, we think of it as white, but if you look carefully, if you pay attention to the beauty that's available in that moment, you notice that in some areas where the hills were shaded, it was a little bit blue. In some ways, it was almost purple. And I got, you know, it was like purple mountains of majesty, and I was driving through it. And it was this, this really joyful, beautiful moment of being present to what is. Okay, I realize I've kind of um, just doubled back on myself because that, I mean, that literally, I will remember that, that ride for my whole life. So it was a peak experience. Um, and I hope you also get that it doesn't have to be. We can still experience joy in our own backyards, right? So then the third sort of practice that I would like, you, like to invite you into in terms of being able to bring a sense of balance between sort of being present to the challenges in our lives, fully present to the pain or the suffering that we might be experiencing, but also fully present to the beauty and the power and the joy that we experience. The third thing that I would invite us into is really a space of, of kindness, a practice of being kind. Being kind not, not just to others, but probably even more importantly, being kind to ourselves. So often in unity, I think we get, we have this assumption that if we are really masterful in our spiritual practice, like if we are where we're gonna be, then we will never really be in that place of experiencing suffer, suffering or pain, right? If we just get our thinking right. 
if I just hold my consciousness to that highest level, then I won't experience the pain. I'll be able to be in that experience of joy and appreciation for life in every moment. And that, I think, is really unkind to ourselves, right? Back to Susan Salzberg, it's a matter of being, being present to both and finding a balance of both. So if we find ourselves in those places of, I, ah, I should be doing better than this, I should be further along this spiritual path, and I shouldn't be experiencing this particular thing, if we find ourselves there, then I think what's called for is like extreme kindness to our own sense of, of pain, our own grieving, our own sense of, of not enoughness, to, like to be kind. And there's a, there's a quote that I wanted to share with you from a teacher named Sylvia Borstein. And she has coached folks, um, and I, I heard this, Krista Tippett has used this an awful lot. That's another person I listen to. I had a lot of podcasts on this trip too, so I've got tons of, of material behind me. I hope I don't get rambling too much. But it, it's sort of a mantra that I would invite you into. If you're in that place of being self-critical, of, of, of sort of, you can feel your energies being depleted by your own sort of wishing that it were better, that you were further along the path, is to just, to yourself, this mantra, sweetheart, sweetheart, you're in pain. Relax, breathe. Let's just take a look at what is and then we'll decide what to do next, right? Is there not this huge amount of permissiveness in that sweetheart, you're in pain? Relax, breathe. We'll move through that in a deeper way. Be present to it, look around, and then decide what we'll do next, right? There's so often I think we're hooked by the desire to do when we're in those places of not really liking the uncomfortableness of the feeling or the moment. What do I gotta do to get out of this? What do I gotta do? But just to take a breath and to recognize that, oh, wow, I'm in pain. And it's not just, um, it's not just sort of the inward self-critical moments when that's helpful. It's also to recognize that if I'm having unkind thoughts about somebody else, if somebody's cut me off in traffic, if somebody's, you know, whatever the things are where I'm starting to be judgmental about another's activity rather than just being really sort of observant of the behavior, if I've started to layer a story on top of that, to just recognize that, wow, that, that's my own pain rising up. I'm, I'm feeling anger or frustration or anxiety around whatever story I'm making about this other person's behavior, right? I'm in pain in that moment. So it's first to sort of care for my own like anxiety or, or frustration or anger. Recognize that, hmm, sweetheart, I'm the sweetheart here. I'm in pain. And as I acknowledge that, then I can begin to sort of um, let go of my judgments about the situation and step into a level of kindness where that is available to someone else. That same level of empathy and compassion I can now extend to whoever's cut me off or cut in front of me in line or whatever it is, whoever's, um, whatever politician has said some crazy thing that's triggered me, right? That, that to first recognize our own pain and then to sort of pull back and be able to come at it from a completely different, higher perspective, to take back control of our own experience and to come at it from a wholehearted place of fullness of life, right? 
Whew. So to recap, as we, want, as we move into a place of, of being able to really restore and replenish our souls at a deep level, at an everyday level, right? Not as a escape for two weeks, <laughs> as I just did. Not that those are inappropriate, right? We want to have vacations now and then. But on an everyday level, to be able to replenish our souls and our spirits, the first piece is to be able to take those two days that Jesus did, and understand that's metaphorical, I'm not saying it's two days, but it's to take a step back from the urgency, from the level of the problem, and to recognize that there's another perspective, and to sort of be able to be present to the fullness of life, holding in mind that there's this thing I'm going to need to deal with, but, but to pull back from the urgency of it, the two days that, that Jesus did before he went to visit Lazarus. And then that there are some practices that we can take to be able to balance both the, the experience of challenge and the experience of joy and gratitude. The first of those that I mentioned um, was uh, to, to establish this place of wintering, this practice of wintering, to give, our, give ourselves to mission to be permission to come from a, a lower level energy, right? To just be present to what is, to, to be present to the sort of transformative metamorphosis, metamorphic power that we see happening in nature around wintertime, to allow ourselves that place to be nourished and to be present to what is. Then was joy to find places of gratitude, to look for experiences of beauty and wholeness and love and, and to just be present to those as well. And then lastly was to be kind, first to ourselves and then to others. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. And if you'd like to support the ministries of Unity on the North Shore, you can text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 815-827-6052. Again, text GIVE to 815-827-6052. Or visit us online and click the donate button www.unityns.org. You'll also find there a complete menu of offerings for sort of remote and distance learning through this time of sequestering. God bless you, and again, thanks for joining.